This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome to episode 159 of the Half Missions Podcast. I am once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Knauer. How you doing, pal? Kia ora, Dan. I'm really good. How are you going? I'm I'm not doing too bad. It's been a it's been a busy week. Uh I I'll tell you, I know this is boring for the listeners, but <laughs> it's a great start. I feel like we we're, we're we're shifting seasons. it's getting dark. It's getting like it's getting cold in the mornings. It's a little bit frosty. I, I, I winter is coming. It's always the weather updates on the the half measures chit chat at the start. That's always the highlight of the pod. You're right though, absolutely freezing in the morning, but some beautiful sunny days too. But I do I do love coming into autumn and winter. I am quite quite happy with those seasons. I like a an early sunset. I like a I like it getting dark early. If there's one thing I don't like, Dan, mm. it's light on my TV screen coming through the curtains. Like, mm, mm. I think I think it's critical. You, you don't want any light on your TV. And the great thing about the winter as well is, like, it's great for binging. You know, mm. like, sometimes, you know, like, we've had a bit of an average summer here, but, you know, uh, a cosy, a cosy wet weekend is good. I'd be curious to hear, just because we always talk off topic now, about what other people – in terms of watching TV, like if you've got like a show, so let's just say you've got like a show you want to watch in an evening and you've got, and you know, it's only going to be an hour or an hour and a half max. So you might watch something else as well. Do you watch that show first and then watch the other thing afterwards? Or do you, do you watch the other thing first and save the other thing? Cause I'm save the other thing for the main event. A, because I want to finish on that note, but B, because it's darker. So it's like, I was, I want to start off with the, with the B show and then the A takes the prime time. But I have a lot of people I talk to mm, who mm. will message me and say, oh, I've watched Picard. I'm like, what are you doing watching Picard already? It's not even dark. How can you watch a space show if it's not even dark? This is this this goes wider than TV though, Paul. Like this is about, you know, do you eat your ice cream <laughs> before the movie starts? Like do you eat your popcorn before the movie starts? Like I think you've got to, ideally, you've got to try and save it. Like an ice cream's a little bit questionable, depends on the temperature. Do you eat like the good things on your plate first or last? Like, let, let's take a curry, for example. Oh, We're really I going to curry. Popcorn. I love a curry. Now, my wife will sit there and start eating the bread straight away. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm partial to some bread while I'm eating, but the bread, like the naan, is really like the, the chef's kiss, great thing at the end. And I like it to clean up the curry. Like that's like, I'm really getting into it then. But she's, she's bread first. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We're incompatible. I'm bre- <laughs> compatible. I'm bread throughout because that bread is warm. If, you, if you've gone to a quality establishment, which I'm sure you have, I like to appreciate that bread while it's warm at the start. And the curry's going to stay hot anyway. So I don't, yeah. Uh, I'll accept bread throughout. Like that, that's that's probably how it's intended to be eaten. But like, not just to be just like like just straight into the bread. Like you've got to you've got to you've got to earn it. You know, burger and chips. That's the one that gets me every time. I'm straight into the burger, and a lot of people in my family will will, will go with the chips. They'll 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 be like, oh, if I don't eat the chips, they'll go cold. It's like I haven't paid for the chips. The chips are the the chips are the sideshow. The main event, the a the a screening here is the burger. I need that to be as hot as it can be. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm often like that as well. And look, I think a lot of the times the chips can be a bit rubbish. So like, I can even like sort of 
Anista chips are piping hot. Like I'll be like, oh, these are good. I better get into them first. But most of the time, I'm like you. I'm I'm straight into the, I'm straight into the burger. And I think about this. Like I think about when I was young with my sister. What if we got like some nice biscuits? Like you've got to earn your way up to the good biscuits. But I I feel like she would be straight into the good ones, and I'd be like on the vanilla wines, working my way up to a Shrewsbury, a chocolate chip, a, a whatever it may be. Not her. She's she's savouring the moment. I feel like I've got to earn it. I think there's something deep with there it. is, and I don't appreciate you putting the vanilla wines down as a basic biscuit. They are in their own right a very very satisfying biscuit. The ice cream situation. Who who are these crazy people that are having ice cream at the cinema? A as you say, you're going to have to eat it before the trailers are even finished. It's going to melt. B, it's never going to be the best quality ice cream, generally, based on my cinema experiences. And C, it's always about the popcorn and only sweet popcorn. Mm-hmm. Look, I used to work at a movie theater when I was just a young fella, and I would. I think it's different now because they they probably import the the ice creams from a from a factory. But you would not want to eat one of those ice creams the way that they're made at the back. Like there's no there's no hygiene. There's no special status around them. Popcorn, I feel like back in the day, how good was it when you like you could pump the hot butter or hot sort of oily butter onto it? Where's that gone? Like in America, they've still got it. Not here. We're, we're living with just sort of the basic salted popcorn, which is okay, but it's never enough. These are some of the questions that we need answers to. God, we've really gone off topic. We're five minutes in and we haven't even, we, I haven't even asked the question we've, at all. What have you been watching? We've lost half the listeners. Um, what have I been watching? So, Dan, I've got one thing to talk about this week and then we've got our two joint watches this week which i can't wait to talk to you about so for me um and it's a rarity for me as this is a canadian tv series and it's three pines uh so three pines is um kind of like how you for anyone who's listened to me talk about cb strike this is a show that is divided up by stories rather than traditional seasons and so i've watched the first two stories of the show uh the first one's called whiteout and the second one is the cruelest month and each story is a double episode feature so four episodes in total so about an hour per episode so it's a, essentially the equivalent of a two-hour movie for each story so it's it's very easy to consume and three pines follows uh a chief inspector gamash as he investigates uh, cases in quebec um, but a village within Quebec called Three Pines, um, and he finds long buried secrets and faces a few ghosts of his own. Uh, lead actor in this, Alfred Molina, um, he's superb. He's in the best form I can remember seeing him in as the lead role of Inspector Gamache. Uh, probably for me, I would already say, even just from four episodes, these two stories, probably his most memorable role for me that he's played since since like dr octavius in you know in spider-man 2 it's a really compelling uh watch it's a really easy watch um the other thing is of course is i've, I've done some research for once and there's 18 books that have been actually written by the author and so they've already converted the first four um so there's plenty of you know plenty more potential that we may get um, a whole lot more in the future but it's a really beautiful series from the point of view of where it's set so scenic wise it's it's a really um enjoyable visual treat um on amazon prime as well beautiful prime video hd presentation just like we were talking about with um jack ryan it's a real treat to watch visually um beyond melina 
I don't know much of the cast as well. So that's always quite refreshing in, in some respects. Um, really good performances. So yeah, Three Pines is, uh, is an intriguing watch and I'm already looking forward to more. So what you're telling me, Paul, is you've kind of taken a half measure and not watched the full season because they're kind of like broken into... I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I think that, <laughs> that, that makes sense. The The question for me, Paul, is what type of... What type of police police person is inspector gamash are we talking like is he like kicking in doors gun out is he more like uh i'm, I'm solving cases with my my swagger like where, where is he on the scale he's very approachable he's very friendly he is unassuming you almost wouldn't know you're talking to a cop until he says halfway through oh by the way i'm a, I'm a police officer he's a really he sort of lures people into the conversation and is very likable nice guy um there's there's a very um there's a very different very offbeat uh very i guess i'd say rural canadian type of humor i lived in canada for a couple of years and i spent almost a year of it living in the mountains with sort of people that i'm seeing bits of just a real off 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 the beaten track type of humor and the way people live their life it's a million miles away from a lot of other crime dramas but yeah melina is is very unassuming, but he's very, very sharp, very intelligent, as of course you would inspect him, uh, expect him to be as an inspector, um, but he doesn't let on. So he's one of those that sort of comes across. I know I make a lot of comparisons to the show, and I'm sorry, but just like Columbo would come across as like, he can't even find what pocket he's put his note, but you don't, he doesn't like he's got a clue, totally switched on guy. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of find it like quite sort of a, a nice like bookend kind of story like you can probably sort of jump in at, at any yeah so the story at. does you know there's the underlying stories that um just as with many others that carry on throughout and again i've only watched two stories only four episodes so um those stories are, are just starting to find their way but um because it's within such a small community now this is my one criticism and i guess it's a criticism with an asterisk so sort of saying i I guess I'd need to see more to know for sure, but already there's a lot of things going on in a very small community. And it's kind of like, I live in a small community here right now. And if there was a scandal here, it would probably be the one scandal you'd have in like a decade, but the, you know, he solved one, one week. And then the next week he's like, Oh, what's this? And so I, I'm already sort of like my alerts are going off thinking, Oh, is this going to be a little bit formulaic in that respect? But it's fine. Uh, it's not bothering me too much. As I say, it's very easy watch. It's the most fun I've had with a, because I, I love the crime type, but it's the most fun, I would say, probably since um, elementary in terms of that sort of, yes, it's some brutal crimes and yes, it's some, but they inject a lot of humor along the way. And it's a really nice mix. Mm-hmm. Very good. It sounds like you, you've you come across uh, another little treat in that crime drama series. Yeah, a lot of decent uh, reviews on this as well. Um, and I'm confident that they've already got 10 episodes in the back. I'm confident that they've, got, they've bought the rights to all of the books. So I've got two more stories. I'm going to watch the next ones, The Murder Stone and then The Hangman. And then that'll be everything. So this got released. All of these dropped in December last year. So they've only been out a few months. Um, but... Uh, Definitely recommend this Three Pines uh, on Prime Video. Very good, very good. I sounds like a recommendation. What about you, Dan? And is that you this that week? Is, yeah. Ah, okay. So, 
Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of movies for you, apart from our, our joint watches. So one review is going to be a little bit, mm, the other review is going to be, this is all the guns. Wow. So the first one is uh, having a bit of a, a Saturday afternoon browse through Netflix, came across Clerks 3. And so I thought, you know what? I better give this a go, 2022. So it's on Netflix at the moment. I should have really known what I was getting myself <laughs> into, to be honest. Clerks, the first Clerks, God tier. Like I, I love, you know, I love more rats. I love yeah. uh, that sort of like um, Kevin Smith sort of like OG films. And there is something special about them. Clerks 2 was where it's like, oh, like it's like it feels like it's trying to recreate or kind of build on something that, that that didn't quite work for me. I knew Clerks Three going into it was was not going to be what I was needing, but at the same time, you know, it was just a casual watch on on Netflix, and it was it was kind of interesting to see see the old gang back together, particularly uh, Jay and Silent Bob. You get to see. Mm. Um, our, our main clerks, Dante and, and Randall. And this, like, Clerks 3 is almost kind of a a closing of the story that no one's really asking for, I think. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's wrapping up a story. It's giving, it's giving our characters some closure. It's kind of looping back to some of the, the longer goofs and gags that have happened in the other movies. But does it need to exist? Not sure, not sure. It, I definitely wouldn't watch it again, put it that way. But I would watch the first Clerks film in a heartbeat, yeah. any day. Yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And what's interesting for me is, of course, it's Kevin Smith who's writing it. And Kevin Smith is inherently a real, real funny guy. And so it's such a, it's such a shame to hear for me the likening that I'm making in my own mind. And I'm curious to hear where you think it. It sits is I'm drawing a comparison of Bill and Ted, Excellent Adventure, Bill mm-hmm. and Ted, Bogus Journey, and then all of a sudden we're getting Bill and Ted face the music, which you and I made the crucial mistake of choosing as our movie of the week and then came out the other side wondering what we'd done. Is it at that level? I, I wouldn't say it's as bad as that. And I would say that there is a few redeeming features of this movie. Like I think because of Kevin Smith and I think the cast is kind of like much love and appreciation for Star Wars. There's lots of great kind of like one-liners about the Star Wars universe yeah. that, that kind of keep it, keep it fun and interesting and, and arguments over, over who would be which character. I think where it falls down for me a bit is I think back in the, in the nineties, you know, characters like Jay and Silent Bob were kind of funny and intriguing, whereas, you know, they've grown up, we've all grown up, and kind of the the, the humour just doesn't work anymore. Like kind of that, that stoner humour yeah, comedy is, is, is dated. And I, and I think, again, I'm wondering when I look at it, I would imagine that the Jay character, because he's the, obviously the loud and vibrant and, all over the place one that his would probably stick out even more in that respect than even because you know bob obviously silent Mm -hmm. yeah look this was i don't know who i'd recommend like uh, like i think you need to have seen the other clerks movies to kind of appreciate this movie if you were just coming in coming in completely fresh you would wonder what the hell you've come across 
if you've got a little bit of appreciation for Clerks, like like give it a go. Like it's it's kind of running at about a six point three on IMDb. It's I think there is probably a a bit of a a low key cult following of this movie and, and these characters. But you've it's really I think you you've got to be in that like real headspace for it. Like it's yeah, it, it, it didn't overly spark joy for me. But it's available on Netflix if you want to check it out. Cool. I think as long as uh as long as Kevin Smith keeps his his eye on the Masters of the Universe, uh that's that's the one I'm most interested in what he's creating at the moment. And of course he had didn't he have Jason Muse actually do a voice in that series that we reviewed ages ago and i presume that season two must be coming soon that's where my interest is for kevin smith i i think this is the interesting thing is that i like kevin smith does have the goods when he wants when he wants to and i feel like i think he's making the movie that is the evolution of clerks yeah and like he's, he's probably really staying true to it but it's is it the story that we all want to see in here but anyway it's Hopefully, as you say, he's applying his energy to the right projects. Yep. Yep. So All what's, right. what's so the hit? The second, yeah, what's the hit? The hit. The hit. You may remember, Paul, back in episode 36 of the Half Measures podcast, oh, I, I, you'll probably remember that fondly, as I re- reviewed a movie, Paddington, which was sort of the, the, mod- the modern day you know remake of Paddington. I finally got around to watching Paddington 2, also on Netflix. And Paddington 2 is a much loved yes. movie. Like it has like so I absolutely love the first movie in a way that I didn't expect. Like it, it, it kind of just hit me in the feels in such a different way. And Paddington 2 just did the same all over again. It is for a, a G movie about a, a beer, like a CGI beer, it is absolutely wonderful. It's got like an amazing kind of like super high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 7.8 on IMDB. It's got a such a, a wonderful cast. Um, it's got Hugh Grant. It's got Hugh Bonneville. It's got Sally Hawkins. Um, it's got uh, Michael Gambone. It's it's so rich, full of like fantastic mm. actors and actresses. The story is so heartwarming, yet kind of it's one of those stories that's made for so many different audiences. And like, it, like the story is ridiculous, right? Like so, so Paddington basically gets blamed for for stealing a, a pop up book, and he ends up going to jail and doing hard time for it. And it, it's all about clearing his name. Like, it, like it's ridiculous. That's great. He befriends he befriends all of the prisoners. He does all these goofy things, like only Paddington would. He wins the hearts and minds of people by giving them marmalade sandwiches. It's I don't know what it is for, but. I wouldn't have thought on paper I would have enjoyed any of these movies, but Paddington one and two, these are top tier. These these are these are all the guns. I've heard so much positivity about Paddington two. It was mentioned in our movie of the week a while ago with Nicolas Cage, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I've heard people at work talk about. It. I've heard other um, Trisha over at Time Traveling Tink podcast has talked about it. I've heard so many positive reviews i have never heard a bad review for this and i feel like i need to get a mix i've heard obviously people talk about how sad it is and 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 that sort of thing in terms of the emotion and i i don't know what that is i love the way you talked about the plot being absolutely ridiculous i uh i just quickly looked ahead to see are they making a a a third movie and 
there is one loosely on IMDb, but it looks like it could have been put together by anyone. But it's um, yeah, this so this would be one to watch with all the family. Or... Oh, hundred percent. I, I I even think the parents will get something out of it. Like like most people know who Paddington Bear is, right? Or they've got some sort of um, either memory of or notion of who Paddington is. And I just think that there's something so heartwarming about this whole journey. And I just think that you know, like it, sometimes with a kids movie or a movie kind of targeted at that audience, it can be a little bit of a slog to watch. But I have never found that with any of the Paddington movies. Like, I literally feel my heart go up a couple of degrees in temperature because it's like, ah, this is good. This is good for the soul. It's good. I feel like I owe it to this character to actually watch this movie because one of the names I get called at my work is Paddington, just to bring it back to, to, to food again. Because, and I stand by this, I'm quite partial to bear marmalade. And if that. I'm... Like if I'm like I'm not buying my lunch or I've, I can't be bothered with, I will very often bring in a bagel and some marmalade and I'll just have a marmalade and I love it. And people are, oh, here's Paddington, <laughs> and it's like, do you know what? I'm going to own it. Do you think it's because of the red hat you wear as well, or is it just a, a byproduct of? Just that just adds to the mystery mm. of it all. But it's in the winter that it becomes problematic when I've got the big blue overcoat on as well. Mm, mm. Now this is good. I think. It's particularly like, you know, I could easily imagine you, you and your daughter, you're watching this film and, and having a really good time with it. It's 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 really good. It's really well done. There's some they, – they do it – like the CGI works really well. They do some some great effects on some of the scenes. They, they almost kind of in Paddington 2 leverage kind of the, the notion of the pop-up book and bring – and some of the effects in that way, like so, there might be like a prison scene, and then all of a sudden, like they'll zoom into like a model of the prison, and then show all these events happening, and it's it's just really clever and really well done. And Ben Ben Wishaw as the voice of Paddington, I've I've really had a limited exposure to him, but he's had a lasting impression on me, of course, in the last few Bond movies as Q. Um, is is it the Q voice that I'm hearing as Paddington, or does he deliver as a different voice? No. No, you're you're in full Paddington. <laughs> okay, you never go full Paddington. Yeah, no, he, he's full Paddington. So look, this is this is all the guns for me. This is a uh, Paul. I think this movie needs to be added to our our top movie recommendations. This this is how how high it's going on the page. It's going this. on the page. Okay, that tells me everything I need to know. Yep. Shall we jump on? So yeah, if you want to watch Paddington, check that out on Netflix as well. One and two. Shall we jump into our first joint review of the week? And that is The Last of Us. Yeah, so this has been something we've wanted to talk about for a while. We've been pretty disciplined, not talking in between episodes. as Well, pretty disciplined. Um, uh, but this has been a show that's been long awaited, and now it's finally finished the first season and so we can we can talk about it after a global pandemic destroys civilization a hardened survivor takes charge of a 14 year old girl who may be humanity's last hope i was sold on this on the strength of the genre and of course pedro pascal um but for you dan there was a already a personal connection wasn't there well, yes, as both a survivor in this world, um, and <laughs> now obviously this is this is this is based on the the Last of Us video game, a much loved uh, PlayStation series. Already, you can play the Last of Us um, one and two, and it was interesting with this, right? Because it's it's always high, and we talk about this all the time. It's always high risk when they 
try to make a movie or a TV show on a video game? Are they going to get it right? Are they going to do it justice? Can they pull these characters off? How does it flow? And I think, you know, I'm just looking down the list of these nine episodes mm-hmm. on IMDb, yep. and most of them are 9.1, 9.2. Uh, there's a couple of eights in there. The lowest rated one, uh, 7.4. Uh, but honestly, we're we're averaging a nine most of the time. And I, I just think for a show that was like nine episodes long, they have done something very magical that The Walking Dead was never able to capture. And I think in so many of these episodes, they were kind of like deep character-driven episodes where you'd be introduced to a character in an episode and you might lose that character at the end of the episode, but you felt such connection and uh, emotion for that character, even though you've only just met mm-hmm. them. And and when you when I compare that to The Walking Dead, like I like you know we've had characters on that show for millions of years who who eventually fall, and it's 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 nothing. I'm dead inside. There's there's not even there's not the Paddington two, <laughs> you know, um, emotional level connection. But um, yeah, I I thought this was a, a fantastic first season. I th- I think there's there's a couple of things that I think. You know, if we're going to sort of give it a hard review, but what what, what are your thoughts? Oh, so right out of the gate, this is the first time I'm going to use the three words we haven't used this year, and that is top 10 TV. This is a real contender for my top 10 TV list for 2023. It's that good a, a show for me. And so much of the hype and the draw card for me was surrounding um, Pedro Pascal in that lead role. Um for me, Bella Ramsey as as Ellie is the real star of this whole series. For me, I, I I just thought her performances from start to finish have been absolutely exceptional. I feel like, and this is um, controversial, but I think we talked about it when we talked about Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, often, the child sidekick has a, a high risk of perhaps weakening the the show or the intensity of the show, depending on the performance they're giving, depending on the script they're given. But just like Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia did a great performance, this is another example of where that co-star did did absolutely superb. And I think for me, just talking about The Walking Dead, what it does is it takes the best of so many you know, other sort of shows and movies that are of a similar nature. And And I do find it hard to not make at least two observations two shows that we talk about a lot the best thing about the walking dead for me has always been that that sense of um well at least to start with that sense of hope um with the close relationships that are formed because people are thrown together in a post-apocalyptic world and and then the strength of those relationships and then the best thing about the other show is black summer is then the fear, which we've talked about, you know, the fear of the, and I, I know we shouldn't talk about zombies because it's not zombies, but the creatures themselves in the show are at least as scary as those in Black Summer with the crazy pace, relentless super strength. And I think combining those two things together and then taking those two things, it then does something else that really makes the show a cut above. It keeps us focused in on just these two characters. And so we'll, you know, we're not sitting here complaining that there's too many characters that we don't care about in the show. We've got this dynamic of the main two. And yes, we deviate into these backstories, but it's really focused. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you've said. And I think like Bella Ramsey has 
absolutely smash this role like she was she was 10 out of 10 in game of thrones and she she's 10 out of 10 here as well i think she's really such a a, a strong actress and, and, and as you say like coming up alongside pedro pascal who's who's kind of become the dad of the internet you know and every show is in he's looking after somebody and and she's really going toe-to-toe with him and i think the other thing that's kind of interesting about these nine episodes is a lot of the threat actually hasn't really been our, our mushroom people. It, it, it's actually been just general other humans, yep. and and that and that's always even the Walking Dead. Like, I, and I, I want to stop making this comparison because they are so different. But that's always the scariest threat. Like, yep. and if anything, it's almost like we had a few exposures to obviously the the infected, but they were a far less presence than they were in, say, the video game, like, where you're constantly coming across uh, infected people. I, I think, well, I have no idea because I don't know what season she's going to bring, but I, f- I feel like that's going to have to ramp up as the numbers, as the population of those surely increase somehow. I feel like, I feel like that might be, might be coming. But, I, um, yeah, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say about the show that um, – Oh, it was the video game aspect because, of course, so uh, you know, this is one of those shows that I come into just as 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 Joe Public, and I've never played the video game, but I, I am able to instantly connect with the story, with these these characters. And whilst I, I guess what the, what I don't know is what I'm missing out on, so I don't have a sense, um, or I don't have any lingering questions that are unanswered in that respect. But um, much like when you and I are watching. Book of Boba Fett or Andor, and there's other little Easter eggs that you and I have picked up from from the books or from the video games that other people, or from or from the animated series, that they're not picking up on. There's possibly and probably things that I'm not aware of, but it's not it's not affecting me from what I can tell. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I do love how they've taken little moments. Uh, and in, in the in the casting of this, so for example, oh, that's right. uh, in episode in episode eight, when we are in need, and Troy Baker, who is the the voice actor who plays Joel in the the video game, he plays a character called James, who um, is kind of working alongside David, our very disturbing. Uh, what would we call him? Like a he's definitely the bad guy of the episode, but whatever whatever he's kind of running with cult his, leader. his church and, and and yeah, cult leader. That's probably the right word. And then in the in the last episode of the season, uh, episode nine, look for the light, and that kind of that really opens up with a a scary episode of a, of a woman being chased, and and that really brings in sort of that black summer element that you're talking about. These sort of relentless infected people, yeah. and Ashley Johnson, who is uh, pregnant with um, Ellie, she actually plays the original Ellie in the in the video game as well. So oh. she's, she's the voice actor there. So I just love those little, like, and, and people who played the game kind of know this, but it's, it's such great moments. And, and there's a few other characters who um, sort of spread throughout the season as well, who also had uh, video game roles. Some great casting mentions as well, not just the main two, but, you know, Anna Torv uh, from Fringe, you know, coming along playing Tess, uh, New Zealand's Melanie Linksky coming along. But a real highlight for me, and someone who we were talking about off air in his other role as Ron Swanson, uh, Nick Offerman. Um, that episode um, was an example of a real, um, you know, sort of removed from the main story. It didn't rate as highly as a lot of these nines, but for me, 
that's possibly one of the top two episodes for me long long time uh i thought that 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 episode was exceptionally strong on the flip side while i'm talking about it the one that does rate lowest left behind um that's the one where they're at the arcade it probably was a weak spot for me it probably didn't resonate as much and it seems to be the case with the votes here but even then it still doesn't feel like filler it was it still had its own story its own arc and its own value yeah i look, I, I completely agree i think uh a long long time with um nick offerman was such a fantastic uh episode i think done so well telling such a a heartfelt story mm. in, a, in a short period of time and i think and that's again like you know with the lower rated episode of left behind again it's it's kind of giving you some critical backstory to kind of understand where where these or what these characters have been through and why they are going to take the actions that they take and almost if anything i think the one thing that would kind of became a little bit formulaic with a with a tv show is every every episode you knew it was going to kind of going to end in a bit of a a moment of this character's probably not going to make it like you kind of felt like that was going to going to keep happening and season one pretty much follows the the video game from kind of start to finish with a a bit of the dlc thrown in in a way i felt like we it kind of just went so fast as well like and i almost could have appreciated like a couple like 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 is it going too quick but i I can't quite decide and i think it's probably something to consider once we once we get however many seasons we're going to get off the show we're at least getting potentially three so Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see, but I just had such a great time, and I think so. Here in New Zealand, we get this show on a on a Monday afternoon at about three pm, which is Sunday night in the US. And I've been talking about this with a few people, and just how great it is to have that show to look forward to watching on a Monday oh, yeah. night. And it, it, it's my favorite thing. I love Sunday night TV in America, and when it hits in New Zealand, just like that, it's it honestly is a game changer for how your week starts. I remember we used to talk about that a long time ago, Dan, when Homeland was still airing and it used to be the Monday night Homeland. That was a great way to, yeah, you come home from a, your, your first day of the week and they're waiting for you. That's great. A um, couple more things, Dan. And I think because I've sort of talked over him because I was so impressed with Bella Ramsey, but Pedro Pascal is is putting in all the work here in terms of his performance in the lead as Joel. He is very very convincing i have now got past the voice because of course the voice was mando there was just no there was no getting around that but i've now almost got to the point where he's he's joel and actually going to watch the mandalorian is now the difficult experience so he's putting in a stellar performance and he's just yeah I, I couldn't ask for more from him either. And the chemistry with Bella is, is superb. Completely agree. Chemistry is, is top-notch. And, and you can tell, and I've seen a few interviews, that they, they really are great friends, and, and I love that. I actually feel like this, The Last of Us, has actually damaged my Mandalorian watching a little bit. And I really do wish that The Mandalorian was just starting now because... I guess what I've found, particularly in those weeks where you might have watched uh, Last of Us and then you've got an episode of The Mandalorian to watch as well uh, on a Wednesday night for us, I I wanted I wanted Joel, not The Mandalorian. And, and I think it's it, 
I'm not sure. I, like, I, I hope they don't do that again. I hope we don't have that crossover because yeah. I I want to enjoy the Mandalorian to its fullest potential. Throw in the fact, of course, we also just saw him mid The Last of Us in the in the Nick Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight. Um, so there was just he was he was just everywhere. One trivia point before I forget, um, and I just wonder if you do know the answer, but the song. Never Let Me Down Again, an, an 80s song by Depeche Mode is played twice at the end credits, played once at the end credits of one episode in its traditional um, sort of um, the way it's released. And then in another episode, a very somber um, rendition of that song, the lyrics, I'm taking a ride with my best friend. I hope he never lets me down again. He knows where he's taking me, taking me where I want to be. And is there anything from the game there? Was this was the song used in the game? Is there something? Mm, oh, there is. Mm. Okay, what do we got here? Mm. So, uh, I, there might be some people yelling at me right now, but it's been it's been a very long time since I've played the first game. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that, that is that song is, is used in the game. And okay. I'm pretty sure it's played on guitar. I I've actually been wanting because they've actually re released um, the first Last of Us game as like a remade for for PS5, and I've been hanging out to play it. But I I made the call to wait until after the TV show because I didn't want to kind of remind myself of all of the events. Gotcha. So um, I, I'm pretty sure it is from memory. Very good. I think the hardest thing with this show, Dan, is that we're going to have to now wait the better part of two years for a second season. It's like what you've talked about with um, the House of Dragon, you know. House of the Dragon, yeah. Well, I think that's right. Like I, I, I believe that they've started filming the second season. They're not going to follow quite the same process because season, sorry, uh, The Last of Us Part Two is a much bigger game than The Last of Us Part One. So they've already talked about splitting this over at least two seasons. So and also taking maybe some slightly different turns in the story. So. It's going to be interesting. I hate the wait. I I somehow wish Paul, I could just discover these shows when they're complete. Yeah. Like I wish I just all of a sudden discovered Better Call Saul. I just yeah. discovered yeah. Game of Thrones. It is, yeah, and it's it, it is going to be tough. But hopefully, there's going to be some more good things on the way. I do have one sort of I guess final question for you. How did you find the last episode of this TV show? Obviously, a bit of a a bit of a shift with Joel. And I think one of the things that Samara said to me is she felt really uncomfortable um, that with how, with, with Joel and the, and the way he, he's lied to Bella. And I, I'm intrigued to hear what you thought. It's amazing. Great minds think alike and a conversation so similar. It was the one thing I wanted to ask you as well was how that final episode played out. Um, because the comment that Diana gave me was actually not about how what he was saying to Bella, but actually the action that he took in terms of, you know, he's going in there all guns blazing to save this girl's life. But is he actually the good guy in doing that? You know, because these people, uh, and again, you've played the game, so you, you probably know where this is going, but from the naive view from me is watching this from the outside, looking in as much as I've loved following this relationship with Joe and Ellie, if Ellie, if, as the as the uh, synopsis of the show talks about her being humanity's last hope, if she has something within her that can cure the planet, then it feels selfish to me that he's going in, killing these doctors, killing these nurses, and just with it, no mercy and no sort of, look, run, or I'm going to shoot you, just shooting them. So actually for me, the dynamic I've found, I'm not really answering your question, but the dynamic I found most interesting here was that they went in that direction because 
often a show of this genre, without mentioning any names, will quite often have our heroes coming into a situation where all the people are bad, just like with the episode with the, the cult leader, you know, where everyone's bad. But here we've got them going into a place where it seems like these are actually decent people who are trying to do something for the good of humanity and they've played him off as like, and of course I don't want Ellie to, to die. Of course I don't. But big picture, taking a step back, um, I I found that dynamic interesting. But to answer your question directly, um, I I was not comfortable with it at all. But it was it was it was always going to be that way. It, it, the, the the line that he's going down, he's going, he's walking the whole way. It's uh, this is going to be really it's it's tough to talk about because, and it, I think largely the internet's been relatively good at not kind of like spoiling it because the second game does exist and i think i i almost like if you love the show just stay 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 away from any anything mm. related to the the second game because i i think you'll have a far better time going on on the journey but it is interesting because i think it really does raise the question of like being the good guy is kind of a matter of perspective and you know in, in any situation like the, the there's two sides to every story and it's it's interesting too because you know he's he he was taking Ellie to the fireflies yeah. and and the fireflies in this context I don't know I feel like terrorist is too strong of a of a word but like like they're a they're kind of a, a splinter terrorist group um who's sort of broken away from you know the the evil kind of federal government kind of mandate so it's like the rebel alliance of course we always look at them as being heroes but when we've discovered when we've sort of looked into their journey more in depth in shows like and or and, and in movies like rogue one it's actually they they're the terrorists you know they're the mm, that's and right. so it is an interesting dynamic and of course i'm sitting here as a complete hypocrite as well from the perspective of um if if it were my daughter that was being carried into that room to, mm. and i had a gun then let me tell you I don't want to worry anyone, but there'd be no stopping me. I'd be going all the way to the top. And look, I look. I'm I'm not a doctor. Like <laughs> sure, I um, sure. just just yeah, just to say, you know, I like I don't see too much science going on in that <laughs> hospital. You know, like I'm not sure. Like like it looked like a pretty scoty hotel. I didn't see any like they had all the scrubs on and they had and, the masks. I mean, I was convinced. You didn't see I, any I've got test to be honest with you. What hospitals are you going to? Yeah. That's how science happens. Test tubes, yo. Um, I didn't like what I was also kind of I thought was funny is Joel wasn't sort of stealth working his way up to that hospital room. He was going, he was going loud, and he was like, the, the time he kind of arrived in that room, they were almost kind of like a bit shooketh that he was in the room. Like, ah, oh, hello, sir, p- please wait outside. And like, he's literally got so much blood on his hands at this he's point. Like, he's like a combination of James Bond and the Terminator. He's walking through the whole building, and there ain't no one going to stop him. And at no point did I have any doubt that he was ever going to get taken down. Can I tell you a fear I have, Paul? And I, I this this is really going to go. This is this is taken off off topic. I feel like Pedro Pascal is so top of his game right now, and so like he's just like he's so good. And I'm so worried that something's going to come out about him that's like <laughs> no, that's not because like do that. you know like because it like. He's the Mandalorian. He's Joe in The Last of Us. He's like he's Oberyn in Game of Thrones. Like the internet loves him. Like he can do no wrong. And I'm just like, I'm just like, please, please don't let anything, anything like bad come out because it's 
it'll break us. What's interesting, as a slightly off topic, is despite The Mandalorian, despite The Last of Us in the movie we just watched, when I think of Pedro Pascal, I still, to this day, still think of him in Narcos. That's that is his role as as um, as as Xavier Xavier. Can't remember the name. No, that's terrible. I've just said he's my main role, but he was the main role across seasons one or two, and he was the lead role in season three. And that's still who I think of. So for me, he's yeah. There's no way something bad can come out about this guy, Dan. You just I, I just I just hope I just hope I and I I don't think like surely there's not going to, but I just feel like how can someone be no. so. I would yeah, have watched. Anyway, I, I anyway. would have rewatched House of Cards by now if it wasn't for Kevin Spacey, because that was a show for me that ticked right, so many boxes. Yeah. So don't, God, could you imagine unable okay, to watch okay. The Mandalorian again? Imagine. I do you know I actually need to properly watch Narcos. Like I remember, I've only seen about three episodes of the first it's season. You all over, and and I loved it, but it was one of those shows where something happened. And then I stopped watching it, and I've always been meaning to go back to it. And I know that you love it, and I feel like I've, I've got to go and watch that yeah. now. Like I, I've got to add, add it to the list. Yeah, hundred percent. I um, yeah, I've been so good to finally be able to talk to you about the show because it's just been a really great find in a universe type that's been done many times. It brings something new. It brings a quality of production of effect. I mean. Just look at the giraffe that we saw in the final episode versus the tiger that you like to talk about. You know, the, the quality that they've, they've raised in terms of CGI is just incredible. Interesting. The giraffe is real. And it's actually the, the, surround, the surrounding effects are CGI. No. I, I literally I saw a thing on it today. Giraffe real, the actual, like, everything else <laughs> is blue screen. Well, welcome to Have Measures. Because like, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, wow, that's a really good looking giraffe compared to the. I literally thought compared to the tiger, and I'm like, they don't want to always be banging on about Walking Dead. But look, I think this is honestly a, a great show. I, I can't rate it highly enough. I actually feel like I could sit down and watch all nine episodes back mm-hmm. to back. Like I feel like it would be, like it's it's something like I'm probably not going to do tomorrow. But I feel like sometime this year I could easily sit down and, and watch that over a couple of nights, and it will probably be a real intense, emotionally jam packed couple of days. But but this is great. I love the show. Yeah. Watch it on uh, Neon here in New Zealand. And I can't wait to see Bella Ramsey in something else because again, real standout performance for me. Yeah, 100%. Shall we jump into our movie of the week, Paul? Let's go and do that. So every week, Dan and I take it in turns to choose a movie and then watch it and then review it on the podcast seven days later. We announce a week in advance what that movie will be on our Discord community, which you can join by clicking on the link in the show notes, and then you can find out what we're watching and watch along with us so that you don't have any spoilers when you listen to this review. And this week, Dan... Our movie of the week is Luther, The Fallen Son. Got to be honest, Paul, I didn't really know this was coming out. It really hit me by surprise, and what a delight. It's, I, I could tell when I, um, when, the, um, when I put the two suggestions forward, your reaction, I, I knew that I'd caught you off guard. Because you're normally, let's be honest, you're normally way onto it than me with the stuff that's coming out now. So if, if it's stuff you want from the 60s mm-hmm. or 70s, talk to me. But if you want to know what's coming out in the next two months, talk to Dan. So I really was surprised that I brought some news to you. Yeah, like it, it was. I was genuinely shocked. And I, when you brought it to me, I do remember, I think, talking about it at one time on the news desk. But I think it had just gone sort of silent for a while. So it, I was just like, oh, my God, that it, it, 
there's a movie and it's out now was a was a great delight so look Paul as a you and I are both big Luther fans um we've loved this tv series for a, a long time and so I did what you what would Paul do in this situation no. go and watch a okay. recap and and so I had a recap it's done by Idris Elba. What's the first thing he says? This movie is made for anyone to jump into. So I, I was going to watch this movie alone. I was like, no, no, all right, tomorrow let's let's get into it because I thought it would be really interesting for me having sort of watched all of Luther and then her having seen none of Luther to kind of like how genuinely easy is it for someone to just jump into the series. And she had no problem at all. Like they, I think they gave enough context. Yeah. They gave it like, sure, there's more that you can appreciate about the character and the journey, but... I think they did make a a movie that is an entry point for for anyone. Hundred uh, percent agree. I think if you think about the things that were necessary to understand, they become very apparent very early on. Um, the relationship that he has um, with um, Martin Schenk uh, is is implied. And of course, if you've watched the series, then yes, you get to enjoy their back and forth across um, all of the all of the previous seasons. But uh, there was, we watched a recap as well, and we got to the end of the recap, and we were kind of like, oh, I, I don't think there's anything there that we're going to need to know, is there? Like, because we haven't watched it since the, it had previously aired, which is now going back um, a wee while, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, so I'm just, I mean, just to jump in. There are some very middle of the road ratings for this, and I've since watching it, I've sort of read a couple of reviews just to see people have been, I would say, harsher than I expected. Because for me, I really enjoyed this. I found it tense. I found it uh, a great pace. I thought it was really, really well produced. It legitimately felt and looked like a movie as opposed to a TV series. And I, yeah, for me, I just, I mean, I've got some criticisms which we can jump to, but for me overall, I really enjoyed this. What about you? Yeah, I, I had a really good time. I thought I thought all the same things. I thought um, fantastic cast, fantastic bad guy with Andy Circus, like that guy, top of his craft as well. Like he was genuinely a scary and terrifying guy. I thought the the crime scenes were, were next level. I thought um, lots of great kind of big set moments. At at times I I actually thought like is this a is this a, a James Bond promo yeah, reel? Because yeah, yeah. It, it kind of felt like this is this he just would been like, look I could do this, you know, like look look at me and all, like I'm in the snow, I'm in I'm in a prison, I'm in fight scenes, I'm like interrogating people like I thought it was it had that kind of like hype to it. It's I mean this is the second time in two things that we've obviously yeah, all four of us have have watched and have come up with the same things. Diana made a comment about the bond throughout watching this and it was a, you know I was along the lines of thinking yeah I, I think he could I think he could play a, a really impressive bond. I am um, I mean just going back to your other comment though I mean talking about Pedro Pascal being everywhere. Andy Serkis in the last 12 months has now been, he's been Bruce Wayne's butler, Alfred. He's been at this total badass standout performance in Star Wars Andor, and now very convincing, disturbing uh, villain mm. for Luther to face in, in this movie. And um, I just thought opposite Idris Elba. I mean, another actor, we're talking about top of people at the top of the game for me, when I think of him, 
this, you know, despite the fact that he played a great villain in Star Trek in the in the last movie, and 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 he was great in Prometheus, he's been great in a lot of things that we've watched. The How Do They Fall? This is what I think of. I think of Luther, and I wonder if one day in the future it will be. Oh no, it's Bond that I think of. That we'll, we'll get to that conversation mm-hmm. one day. But as Luther, the instant he put on the jacket and the tie at one point, he just fell straight back into it, and he's just he's at his best. I would say as Luther for me. Couldn't agree more, and I, I think he's just such a great example of, uh, you know, again, a, a, a police officer in the UK doesn't carry a gun, uses his wits. Like he's he's a big unit, right? Like he, he's a big oh, guy, yeah. and he kind of like goes toe to toe with all sorts of people, and never once is a is a gun brandished on anyone. So, and I think that there's always some great storytelling in there. I think there was some, you know, those classic cliche moments. Like, I think one, how he ended up in prison, was a little yeah. bit of yeah. a of a, a soft point to the story. It's all, I always find it frustrating when, you know, he's he's you know kind of a though he's kind of a a pain to some people. He's still kind of probably a highly um, decorated um, detective and just treated by such like such garbage by other people and has to kind of earn their trust and then we know they're going to earn the trust like it was it was formulaic in that sense but I think because of the quality of the the plot and the bad guy it kind of made it made it better and, and I I love sort of the notion of uh, Andy Serkis's character kind of being a bit of a, a mastermind mm. kind of getting the dirt on all of these people I think they they revealed their hand a little bit too soon with a couple of the characters, mm-hmm. um, like Thomas Coombs' character, for example. I, like that, I don't think they should have revealed that he was he was working with um, with Andy Serkis' character. That they could have done that through through the actual work, as opposed to making us know beforehand. Like they kind of dumbed it down to make it easy for everyone. But I think, in general, Luther is smarter than than. Yeah, them. I think that's a fair observation. And I think the other thing you said that resonated with me was you know about how him going to prison seemed quite convenient and maybe forced in. It was the one moment when, when watching it that I was kind of like, wait, what? And actually I actually did pause it and I went back 30 seconds just to, to hear the narrative again and go, okay, okay. So that's how that's happened. It kind of, it just was a little too. Yeah. And the other, I mean, the other criticism for me was that, I thought it was a you know a bit weak that both Luther and Andy Serkis's character were able to get away from the police who seemingly had Piccadilly Circus surrounded. But at the same time, as you were saying, in terms of set pieces, the big action scene at Piccadilly Circus was also absolutely superb. I would love to know how they filmed that. They, I mean, they either had to shut off a, a huge area of one of the mm. busiest places mm. in central London, or there is some amazing CGI going on here to the level of the giraffe for me. Mm-hmm. No, it was definitely an incredible scene, and I think one of those kind of like wow moments uh, in this in this movie. It's it did you know? And I here I am again. They're making a movie. I want it to be a TV series. They're making a TV series. I want it to be a movie. I'm I'm kind of like intrigued about why this was a movie and not kind of a a three or four episode show. Like it, like is it to kind of get more people on board because there's more Luther, or is it kind of just a bit of like like I'm. I'm unsure about why. Why why the movie? I, I think your answer is what you discovered when you pressed play on that recap. I think it's selling it as a standalone, selling it as a you don't need to know anything. If if they bring out, oh, here's here's a fifth season of Luther, people 
who aren't on board mm-hmm. the Four Seasons mm-hmm. probably aren't going to press play on it. Whereas someone who can approach this thinking, oh, here's a movie I can watch, I think I, I would say that's probably it. And I, I'm the same as you. I wish that they'd made this into a three or four hour and allowed us to explore some of those things that seemed relatively, relatively rushed, I would say, because, you know, okay, so it was just over two hours, but I felt like there was more story to tell. And with a series like this, you know, we talked about it with Happy Valley. We, we talk about it with, you know, for me, I, I put Luther up there with the line of duties, with the Happy Valleys, with the, the it's that tier of, you know, Sherlock is another one that comes to mind. It's a real, mm. it's a real top notch. And it was great to see, um, you know, from a directing point of view, Jeremy Payne directing again, he, he did a lot of episodes of the TV show. And I think it was a real step up for him to sort of take it up to that movie element. I thought the underwater scenes uh, were superb. I thought the car scenes, the prison scenes, a lot of, as you put them, the set pieces were, were really, really good. And I also loved <laughs> and hated, but loved the old Volvo. I mean, no one drives that Volvo anymore. I mean, that, what is that? Nineteen eighty-five. I don't know what it is, but it, mm, it's mm. it's such a great look. It's so perfect for him that he still has it. It's and I think you know, even like in the end when they pulled him out of the ice and he's still got like his red yeah. tie on. Like it's just such a classic like Luther moment. So look, I I had a I had a really good time with this, and I I I think you're right. Like. The benefit of this is this is a movie for newcomers and fans, and if anything, they might even see a bit of an uptick in people going back to watch OG Luther episodes. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it will get people intrigued. I do think that anyone who came into this and hadn't seen it before, I think the one thing that, of course, they wouldn't have realized, uh, realized was missing, but the thing that felt missing for me um, is Luther somehow doesn't feel quite the same without Alice. Alice, don't do it, Alice. There's there's something that she brings. It's that so and I think Andy Circus obviously was like a Moriarty to Sherlock in terms of that mastermind, but there's mm-hmm. something about Alice that brought a different level of chemistry. And that's with all due respect to Andy Circus's performance. There's just there was just a history with Alice that um is or for me just a little bit missing, but I I still wouldn't bring it down any. It doesn't. It doesn't take anything away from this movie. It doesn't make me give it any less of a rating than I'm going to give it. The other thing I love, it's always a treat to see Dermot Crowley as Martin Shank. He he. Mm-hmm. I love that they have that consistency. He's the um, he's the Hastings equivalent in Line of mm-hmm. Duty, or he's M to Bond. And of course, for me, I don't know about you, Dan, but no matter how good he is as Shank, he will always always be general maydean uh the guy who rocked that ridiculous fake beard in return of the jedi which still amazes me to this day that they got away with it but yeah dermot crowley's great indeed indeed i think you're right i think that's good call on the the alice component it would have been great to somehow kind of like loop in a backstory about that somehow just the kind of i don't know just as a bit of a throwback for for fans yeah um but yeah no that's that's a good shout what, what do you give this on the the guns of gimbo for me it did everything i wanted it to do and despite those things that you and i've both sort of identified i am still gonna say this is three and a half guns for me look i'd agree i i i had a thoroughly good time and i think i got more out of it than i than i expected and so yeah, three and a half guns. Let's uh, let's lock Very it in. Very good. That is the Luther, the last son. Uh, sorry, the the fallen son uh, available on Netflix. And then 
what does that mean for your pick of the week? Because we've got a few strong contenders in there for you. With uh, you've got your the the Last of Us. You've got you've enjoyed Luther, and then you've also had a a really great time uh, with that other thing. I've forgotten the name of Paddington. Paddington. There you go. Paddington. Yes, thank you, Paddington. I think you know what, Paul. I, like I feel like like I'm already a Luther a Luther fan. I know that the Last of Us is going to be good. I, it's already getting all the praise. I, I'm I'm giving my special praise this week to my favourite marmalade sandwich and in beer, Paddington Two. Surprise and delight. Um, it it deserves all the all the accolades, all the sandwiches. It's it's so good. How how about yourself? Yeah, well, it's tough for me as well because I love the, the Luther Three Pines has really got me hooked in. But yeah, I am going to go with uh, the Last of Us, and I think it's probably right that one of us at least does that because it's it's that high. It's it's an exceptional show that takes a really simple concept and just writes. An incredible story with superb characters played by a brilliant cast. Yeah, that's my pick of the week. Yeah, I, I'm glad it's in there. It deserves all the all the credit. Shall I take us over to the news desk? First of all, I guess it's 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 been a big week. It's been the Oscars. There's been uh, many a joke about the the Chris Rock slap. We've had a whole bunch of winners and losers um, everywhere. Oh, sorry, everything, everywhere, all at once has really come out on top. It's 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 won awards for um, Michelle Yeoh for like best leading actress. It's got best supporting role, um, both male and female. It's it, it's truly amazing. Uh, it's also won uh, for a best screenplay. Um, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front was the winner for cinematography. That's a film we reviewed here mm. on the on the pod. Um, amazing, amazing movie. I, I think it's um, – I also got the award for the uh, music original score. It was the winner. So some some great stuff. Any surprises in those Oscar announcements for you, Paul? Um, I don't know if I would say surprises because a lot of this I I haven't seen. And, of course, you and I, we nearly watched, um, you know, everything – all the time, everywhere, whatever the title is. Yeah, we, we had it as one of our movie of the week picks, and it, and I think it had a strong contender, so we 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 didn't go with it. But I would be tempted now. Um, I was just delighted to see Michelle Yeoh get the Oscar for a number of reasons, um, and selfishly because she's a shining light out of Star Trek Discovery for me that I thought she was great in. And we may have to revisit her peak performance we did a few months back because. Uh, it sounds like she's put in a hell of a performance on this uh, this one she's got the Oscar for. But yeah, no no real big surprises. I sort of went into it thinking, oh, I'd love to see Top Gun Maverick pull it off because it's just the sort of movie that never gets Best Picture. And, you know, my my feeling on this goes all the way back to like Batman in 1989. I'd love to see one day a big action movie come away with the prize. Mm, mm, I agree. I think the other interesting one is obviously great that Brendan Fraser yes. um, won uh, actor in a leading role for the whale. I'm really, I, it's not out here yet, but I'm I'm really looking forward to watching yeah. that one when it when it does come 100%. available. What else have we got here, Paul? So Quentin Tarantino um, has announced what his final movie is going to be. Um, it is going to center on a woman in the late seventies in LA. And um, there's no, it's going to be called The Movie Critic. Apparently, um, the script has already been written, 
And as per usual, Tarantino will direct and film, and he's going to be doing that in the fall. So it looks like there's no studio attached to it yet, but it's going out to, to buyers potentially as early as this week. This um, has all the traits of Tarantino Paul being kind of like vague, kind of interesting. It's probably going to be a great one if it's going to be his last. I, I, I've always been bothered by this as my last film. Yeah. Like he, he's so young, I feel like there's there's so much more potential. Like what what this is thinking? the thing? This is yeah, he's fifty nine years old, and you know we did a podcast way back in episode forty five where we ranked the Tarantino movies, and I think no matter what those rankings look like. I don't think there's a movie on there that either of us would say, oh, I wouldn't watch that again. I think that, you know, there's always something he brings to a movie. He is a very unusual character. He is a very out there guy with some very interesting views on life, shall we say. But at the same time, there is a talent there that is unique. And at 59 years of age, you think about Clint Eastwood at 90, producing, directing, and sometimes still starring. I mean, on that mark, I mean, I'd say Tarantino's got at least a decade, if not 20 years in him. Oh, easy. I, I feel like, I, I just hate the idea of this being the end. I And I hope it doesn't mean as final as it kind of implies, like, you know, maybe he's still open to either writing or directing, but never doing both again. I, I, I don't know. I, I hope to see more. I reckon he's, he's going to stick to it. I reckon it's going to be, you know, because all of his movies, you know, on the front cover, you know, the fifth movie, the seventh, and this will be the tenth. And I, I think he's, he just strikes me as that sort of character that's going to say, that's it. You got, I'm done. I'm done. I'm well, done. See you later. I sometimes think about this podcast in that way for like one day we'll just stop. Like we'll just stop. Like we won't even, I, I think we never even have like a final goodbye episode. Like one day we'll just be like, we're we've done. Always, and we'll just never record We've always again. said we'd, we'd do 160 episodes and walk away. So, you know, we're nearly there. Mm. One more, one more, we'll get there. All right, what else have I got here? So for fans of Sweet Tooth, which was a TV show on Netflix, actually filmed here in New Zealand, uh, season two of that has just been announced. That will be coming out on the 27th of April, so in the not-too-distant future. This might be a little bit of news that will be of interest to you, Paul. So Lawrence Fishburne has been on the, the interview circuit with John Wick 4, which is reviewing very well, apparently. And he has mentioned that he is open to playing Captain Miller in the series adaption of Event Horizon on Amazon. Oh, my word. That would be exceptional. I Sign it off now. Whoever's got the paperwork, mm. please. That would be incredible. I know it's a favorite movie of yours, so I thought that one might, uh, might oh. appeal. Uh, Jenna Ortega, who um, we most recently have talked about in Wednesday, apparently turned down um, the opportunity to play Wednesday several times before she finally met with Tim Burton and was convinced to come in and star in this role. She was wanting to make a, a shift to film and TV wasn't really spinning her wheels. And so we, we I, I just couldn't imagine anyone but Gina Ortega playing, playing Wednesday. Adam. Wow. Speaking of Gina Ortega, she is also working on uh, Beetlejuice 2 with Michael Keaton which is going to be pretty interesting. Incredible. Great times. Our friend of the show, uh, Mr. Bob Odenkirk, is starring in a remake of uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. So recently mm. announced, um, apparently he's he's kind of pitched hard for this. It's going to be a, a fundraiser. Interesting to see, um, I think, Bob Odenkirk in this role. It kind of feels like The Room is such a, a quirky movie or such a, a cult following, uh, like, it's. I'm intrigued. 
I'm intrigued. I'll probably check it out. Have you watched the room? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I would, I would be intrigued by that as well. Mm. And then final bit of news is this is both of our top ten TV shows for 2022. Mm. Is the beer looks like we are getting season two in June of this year. So can't wait. I I hope it's as I hope it lives up to the the pure joy that was season one. Yeah, I see. This is this is how it should be. You enjoy a show last year, and suddenly you've got season two for you. You know, it's the same with shows like Slow Horses. It's 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 not what I, it's. This is how I like it. It's not how I want it with The Last of Us or how you've experienced it with um, The House of the Dragon. It's like just every year, give me more. I, you know, we're impatient. We need it now. Indeed, indeed. That is me, Paul. Any news on your end? Um, the, yeah, the bear was what I was going to talk about. The only other thing I had, um, which is it really got me intrigued this week, is Mel Streep and Paul Rudd. Uh, both now have joined the cast of Only Murders in the Building and the season three teaser uh, with them alongside uh, the the original trio is is out. And I just think, based on the feel of the show the vibe of the show, the nature of the humour, how things happen in that building alongside um, the original cast. I just think these two, I, you know, Mel Streep and Paul Rudd are both great and I just think they're a perfect fit for Only Murders in the Building. So looking forward to the third season of that. Awesome. Any news in the mailbag this week? A couple of things, Dan. Last week, um, so our movie of the week was The Outfit. And we had uh, the writer of that, Jonathan McLean, uh, sharing our review of his movie on Twitter, which was great. And we also had Happy Valley's uh, Molly Winard. Um, so she was the actress who played Joanna Hepworth. Uh, so she was the one who was married to that crazy PE teacher and who that initial story was all based around. Um, she also uh, she shared our review on Happy Valley season three to her followers on Twitter as well. So that was cool for those two shares. Thank you very much. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I reviewed the first season of uh, Annika with um, Nicola Walker and Miles um, Brown messaged on Twitter to say that uh, he's now a few episodes in on Annika and really enjoying it. And he agreed with me that it's 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 because of that performance of Nicola Walker and that fourth wall that gets sort of broken that really makes the show. And it was something I don't. I don't know that I articulated that well when I talked about it in my review, but those two things combined took a show that otherwise for me may not have really got on my radar and really lifted it up. So appreciated that feedback. And then what else have I got here? Uh, oh yes, of course, uh, peak performance. So Sigourney Weaver, Sarah from Pottyrua went with Galaxy Quest Strike One. Uh, Brent from Wellington went with the first Alien movie. Uh, Martin from the North Shore went with Alien 3. I like that shout because you and I did a deep dive on that and it was a strong performance in a you know in a good, if not somewhat flawed movie. I think it's a real good shout to pick out a peak performance of that movie. Um, Paddy from Time Traveling Tink Podcast gave us a 3-2-1 of Galaxy Quest Strike 2, Copycat and Aliens, the second one. And Trisha also from Time Traveling Tink Podcast gave us here three, two, one as well. Gorillas in the Mist, Galaxy Quest Strike Three, and also the second Aliens movie. So that's three strikes for Galaxy Quest, which invokes our rewatch clause. Then would be a first time watch for what? me. What? Tim Allen, in you know everyone talks about. 
the Tim, Tim Allen roles that he's played over the years. But for me, when I think of him, I instinctively think of Galaxy Quest Sigourney Weaver, also absolutely superb, and Alan Rickman in another brilliant role. This is oh, this is a great movie. I'm going to have to somehow work it into our movie of the week. That is our mailbag this week, Dan. Very good. Some uh, some great shout outs there. I, I copycat is a is a great yeah, movie. Another I good seen shout. For a long time another either. Good Mm-hmm. Very good. Shall we jump into our peak performance for the yes. week? Yes. So like our movie of the week, we take it in turns every week to, to choose someone from the movie TV world and look back at their career and try and pick out what we think is their best ever performance. And this week, Dan, we have Renee Zellweger. We do indeed. So this uh, this particular um, request came from Patreon producer Samara Whiting King, um, who said, "Have you done Renee Zellweger?" And here we are nice. taking a look at her. So interesting. Like I, she's one of those actresses who I always just think of from Bridget Jones' Diary. But I that she's actually got quite a, a good back catalogue. There is one interesting thing in her back catalogue. But when I look at IMDb, a lot of the time it's often listed and you might know as an INDB professional, mm-hmm. she'll be listed as, for example, I'm play- like in Rebel Highway, she's Susan Doyle as Renee Zellweger and it's yeah. Empire Records, Gina as Renee Zellweger. I, I'm intrigued why, why? It's so the, so why IMDB do that. Um, and this is also the case on your IMDB page as well, Dan, is where there's been a variation on the name. So in some episodes of Half Measures, you appear on uh, IMDb as as Daniel Whiting. But because of the name change, you have the in brackets bit. And so Renee Zellweger has that because of the inverted Macron, whatever you call that thing, above the, the first E after the N of her name that she um, gotcha. has not always had credit to, to her. So when she's not credited with that slightly different name, that's why. I knew you were the guy for this, Paul. This is this is great. All right, let me get into my honourable mention. Um, is my my first honourable mention, my only, is Empire Records from nineteen ninety five. So this is a, I think a, one of those those quirky nineties movies. I think this might be a stretch and probably offensive to say this, but it's kind of like is this the Breakfast Club of the nineties? Like the Breakfast Club fantastic movie way more timeless than the empire records but i do think empire records is one of those films with a real cult following and i think it's a movie where renee zellweger she plays gina in this and empire records kind of is almost the day in the life of a record store about to be kind of taken over by a big franchise and all of the the staff kind of going through this kind of various events in their life it's very kind of character driven and i think you know renee zellweger alongside people like Liv Tyler really just like stand out for me as as this was a a very young but a very kind of like different role to the type of role that she plays now so this movie always has a bit of a a special place in my back catalogue and yeah I'm going to give her honourable mention for it in terms of my peak performance I'm going off the grid Paul I'm going for 2000's Me, Myself and Irene and so this is the movie where Renee obviously plays Irene, um, the the love interest of Jim Carrey. Who this is this is one of those interesting Jim Carrey films because we're kind of in peak Jim Carrey times, and this is both a comedy and kind of a a deeply serious movie about identity disorder and the the impacts that it has on your life. And I think 
there is something that Renee Zellweger brings to this film that really kind of like humanizes, I, I think, the, the zaniness of Jim Carrey. And I think to bring an energy that matches a, 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 someone like Jim Carrey and kind of calm it down a little bit and make it real is, I think, speaks to her, her credit as an actress. So for me, Empire Records and me, myself and Irene. How about yourself? Such a great shape uh, for me, myself and Irene. That is a movie I remember laughing at ferociously um, a long, long time ago. It's a great shape um, off the grid, as you say. I um, I have a couple of different uh, picks. So my honourable mention is uh, actually a Western, um, which I'm not sure if you've uh, seen or not. Um, 2008's Appaloosa. So you, you've, you, you've already seen her her performance in, in this as Alison French. A very, I would say, a very different role for her, particularly at that point in her career. And I thought, it, I just thought it was just a real good chemistry across this. And you know, she found herself in a very male-dominated cast, you know, with Ed Harris, Viggo Mortensen, Jeremy Irons, and so on. And I felt that her performance was actually one of the stronger ones and she gave the movie what it needed in that character. And I think she fits that genre really, really well. And I thought the dynamic of her relationship with Ed Harris and then the sort of um, what was going on with her and Vigo, I just thought she played it off really, really well. So that's my honourable mention. But my uh, my peak performance, I am in fact going to to go with the first Bridget Jones performance, uh, the diary 2001 as Bridget Jones. I, it's a role for me that just is iconic. She absolutely made it her own and absolutely, I would say personified surely the, is it, uh, is it Richard Curtis? The, the writer, whatever they had in mind when they wrote this, I just feel like she would have delivered absolutely and I'm sure, you know, she's felt tied to that role and wanted to shake it, just as you know, like Sean Connery wanted to sort of shake the James Bond role. But it's it's a compliment to the level of the performance that she gives, which is why it spawned the sequels and is it's it's so popular. And that's what makes it my peak performance. Good shouts, Paul. I was so 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 close to um, bringing Appaloosa in as as either nice. my as my honourable, and I just um, I'm glad that you picked that up because that is a, a fantastic movie I haven't seen for a long time, and it's it's so. You, I feel like we can't talk about Renee Zellweger without talking about Bridget Jones' diary. So again, very good shout. Nice. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Missions Podcast. Yes, indeed, thank you as always for listening in to Dan and I give you all of the advice you need on what you should be eating at certain times of the day, what you should be watching, um, and for putting up with all of the things in between. If you do have any uh, recommendations or comments about anything we've said, or if you've got a peak performance for Renee Zellweger, do get in touch with us on our social media or halfmeasurespodcast.com. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. If you can't do that, if you'd love to leave us a review, also highly appreciated on whatever platform you choose to listen to us on, that would also be great. But until next week, everyone, adios.